0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Uncounseling um, Show.
1: With me, Dr. Fred Bowley, the Four Person Podcast. I'm a therapist, a Catholic, and a founder the founder and president of the of You are listening to the Four Person Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, Go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number, again, is 515-602-9655.
0: Counseling Show. Sorry, I uh, talked over the intro a minute ago. This is Dr. Fred Foley, Four Persons Podcast. I'm a therapist, a Catholic, and the founder and president of St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries. Uncounseling is produced by St. Barnabas and the Four Persons Podcast and is a weekly look at counseling and psychotherapy from a skeptical Catholic point of view. Therapists are therapists because we want to help people. But on uncounseling, we want to know why counseling doesn't work. And we want to hear what your experience and opinion is. So please call us on 515-602-9655. Again, the number is 515-602-9655. Remember that if you want Catholic counseling that is effective or Catholic life coaching that is effective and consistent with the Catholic faith, Call St. Barnabas on 573-692-4126. Again, that's 573-692-4126. Or email us at Barn at protonmail.com. That's S-T-B-A-R-N at protonmail.com. So tonight on On Counseling, I have my very good friend Brian Nelson with me. Happy fifth day of Easter to you, Brian.
2: Thank you, sir. I'm exhausted.
0: What have you been doing today? Uh,
2: helping my mother uh, run her uh, Christian-based uh, thrift store, uh, and that's pretty much it. I did that all morning.
0: Well, good for you. It's a very a good deed that you have done, and that I know that you do on a regular basis.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, we're going to talk tonight about operator error in counseling psychotherapy. It may come as a shock to you. Every once in a while, therapists do make mistakes. <laughs> and I want to talk especially about the therapists who don't do anything. It's like the uh, veggie tails, the pirates who don't do anything. There are therapists who don't do anything. And uh, it's a phenomenon that I have also called at times rent a friend, right? The person either pays their copay or they pay fully out of pocket or the insurance pays it. But however the case may be, a therapist uh, sits and has a pleasant conversation with the client but nothing really changes or moves forward or gets done. Remember, to call the show, you can dial 515-602-9655. So what is it that leads to the situation where nothing really happens? It's especially frustrating if you ever send your kids to counseling, uh, as as I have done, and it's not um, the purpose is not me to criticize other counselors. Because, honestly, I have uh, done the very same thing myself. One of the things that uh, that you learn as you go into counseling as a counselor is that um, you can't worry too much about making mistakes because you will make mistakes all the way through, like, most every session that you do. But it's important as counselors to remember, and if you're not a counselor, I hope that this will help you too. But it's important to remember that there are really two kinds of mistakes that counselors make. First of all, there's the uh, sort of catastrophic mistake. In other words, it's something that ruins somebody's life or ruins somebody's career. Um, those are really not rocket science, you know. Um, don't have sex with clients. Don't take drugs with clients. Don't, <laughs> don't borrow money from clients. Um, don't punch clients. Could be hard. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> Those are uh, generally quite straightforward. However, the kind of mistakes that I'm talking about are missed opportunities. Or you say something, and what are you going to say, Brian? About to say well,
2: something? I was going to say that uh, you know I, I've of course been to uh, therapy, but I've also sent my daughter to uh, therapy for mm-hmm. her issues, and a lot of the things that I've dealt with is. Uh, uh, being skeptical of the therapist that she ever had to deal with was uh, they all wanted to uh, be her friend and uh, that uh, they wouldn't hold her accountable for some of the things that, you know, they were afraid to hold her accountable.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And that's really something that they shouldn't do. I mean, they should feel free to hold, because if they don't, then it's it's always somebody else's fault.
0: What's the point of being there? Right. Yeah. No, that's an excellent point. And I think that um, one of the reasons that counseling can be effective is that we take something that's really naturally human, and that is friendship. And uh, you use that to help propel a person to change. But if it stops at the friendship part, then it's not effective. And some of the parts of friendship are, Nobody wants to... Well, it's probably not true. (laughs) Most of us don't want to hurt other people's feelings, right? Right. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to be offensive. And so uh, we notice that they are doing the same old thing, and yet we don't want to be the jerk, so we don't mention it.
2: Well, there's ways to do it without being uh, offensive or being a jerk, but still hold the person accountable for something that they totally are responsible
0: for yeah and I think that uh, you don't really respect people if you don't expect them if you don't hold them to the same standard you hold yourself right you yes. know if we're all humans then the, our greatest thing is to recognize the good and to choose the good and if you don't allow someone else to do that then you're not really respecting them or in the fullest sense you're not loving them with the with the, the love of God charity agape Whatever you want to call it. Nice. Um, the other thing that can happen um, from a therapist's point of view is a person will frequently come in and say, I want to work on my anxiety. And then, okay, you get all your details down. Second session, so tell me about your anxiety. Well, it's not too bad, really. Well, when does it happen? Well, just every once in a while.
1: It just happens all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you want to change, but it's, it becomes humiliating for you to talk honestly and openly about what it is that needs to change. And, again, the friendship thing is really essential for good counseling or therapy. But, again, for a person who's been the client, you know, I've been both, Um, you, you grow to like and respect the person who is your therapist. That's good because that can really help you. But on the other hand, you don't want to let them down. So sometimes it happens that I'm working with someone and then I find out three weeks ago there was another big crisis or they weren't doing so great and started to feel depressed again or whatever. But they didn't want to let me know because they would feel bad. Honesty
2: is, in my opinion, essential if you are wanting to heal yourself or help your therapist to heal the issue or to help you work through your issue. you got to be honest with yourself and the therapist. Uh, otherwise, uh, you're wasting both of your time. So.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and it's something that uh, can be learned, just like uh, – not in the sense that you know something, but in the sense that you get muscle memory for it, right? So that it becomes an automatic reaction to be brutally honest or at least, you know, um, very honest and and open rather than automatically uh, dodging or um, spinning or whatever, prevaricating um, that a lot of us get into. But any of that, of course, takes pain, Right? Because when you first start learning humility, and maybe all the way through, the world may never know, <laughs> it's going to be somewhat painful to face the difficult things about yourself. Um, but it, but it uh, So it takes pain, acceptance of pain, but it also takes energy. It takes work. You have to uh, be willing to work on it and not just have a pleasant hour or 45 minutes once I feel a week. feel-good. A feel-good time. Yeah. You know? So, and it takes it from both uh, therapist and client, of course, you know, and one of our, um, one of the basic bedrock beliefs is uh, you can't sit in the chair until you've been on the couch, right? So, uh, in the old days, they don't hardly do it anymore, as far as I know.
2: I'm an expert then.
0: (laughs) So, they used to, uh, you used to have to lie on the couch, right, and talk about all your problems.
2: (laughs) How much time do you have?
0: (laughs) can't be a good therapist unless you've gone through the experience of being a client. I don't think that's 100% true, but there's definitely a, a kernel of truth there. Absolutely. Because otherwise, you don't know what it feels like, and you might still have that uh, tendency to avoid going there with difficult uh, issues. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's an ongoing thing that um, I, at least, will have to work on for the rest of my life. Yeah,
2: it's just an ongoing situation. Because, you know, your situation changes as you go through life. Uh, but you can train yourself, and it's different for everybody else. Uh, there's not a set blueprint on how to deal with your anxiety uh, or, or anything like that. But it, each person is different, mm-hmm. and you can uh, do the things that help you get through it. Uh, and I have, I've, and, and I'm so so much better than I was uh, 10 years ago. What
0: do you think the main factor has been? What
2: helped you to get to where you are now? To be honest with you, uh, uh, my Christian faith, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the the stronger my walk uh, is, the uh, better my situation mentally.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, But also on a lot uh, to know that some of that stuff isn't my fault, but to be able to heal yourself to the things that happened. And, uh, yeah, my walk with Christ has really helped a great deal.
0: Well, we were talking about that um, on another podcast. um, I believe that was on Good Friday about... uh, and it relates to something that I want to talk more about probably a lot, which is the goals of counseling, right? A lot of times as counselors, once a main problem is out of the way, it's kind of like, uh, okay, you can go now. Um, but really what we should be doing is aiming for something positive rather than just taking away symptoms, right? So a lot of
2: people, and I'm not going to you know, want to be uh, – put in a category mm-hmm. they they they, re, they require a okay this is your bipolar or whatever and then they're going success
1: mm-hmm. nah,
2: no it, it's the being able to deal with that category or that title for yourself that you're looking for uh, and and that way you can try to get through your daily life
0: why would people want
2: to have a diagnosis because that's what's wrong with them you know, uh, it's crazy the, the, the search for uh, the title of, okay, that's your problem. Here mm-hmm. it is. Uh, without trying to uh, get beyond it, you know, to, to break the chain of the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is no longer what you're identified as.
0: Right. So it's kind of like avoiding responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an excellent point. But I think if you go the opposite direction, the the perfect human being, um, lot of time you hear, the perfect human being has never existed. Well, actually, the perfect human being has existed and does exist. Right. And, um, we can see him if we go to a church in, in the Eucharist, not as we will see him someday, but he is with us, right? Jesus, obviously. So... Um, if you become a Christian what is a Christian I mean literally it means a little Christ right so we are trying to become christ-like Christ-like we're trying to become little Christs be formed in the in the image of God and I think that is one of the major problems even with uh, Catholic and Christian counselors is that we don't have Christ as the image of what we're shooting for with our clients uh, I think that would make make a world of difference um, if we had that in mind, every time someone came in and sat down, that what my goal is for this person, yes, is to help them get past their phobia or whatever, but also to help shape them in whatever ways I can in the short time I have with them so that they are a little bit more Christ-like, a little bit more in the image of the perfect human being. Um, But as a counselor, we are sometimes bum-fuzzled We don't know what to do, right? So we try a few things, the client didn't seem to like it, now what? Mm, Well, we can at least talk, right? We can talk about movies and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that is part of it in that um, we talk about uh, life, but especially life as a counselor being an ongoing education, right? We should be continuously learning new things and trying to improve what we can offer or
2: improve even what we are. Well, you know, therapy is not going to just magically take away depression to where they never have a depressed day again. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's to teach them uh, how to deal with their depression as, you know, so they're stronger the next time that episode happens uh, and become a uh, warrior in their fight against depression or their depression. Instead of, you know, so there's there's no magic wand to take away. So, yeah, I mean, talking definitely helps. Uh, If nothing else, uh, yeah, keep talking.
0: That's, uh, That's true, too. I mean, you can't always see what's going on. Well, you can have some indications of what's going on, but really you can never directly see what's going on within a person. And so I have seen that, too especially with younger people, that you don't seem to be really going going anywhere. You're just a friend to them, and yet it's a, a very positive uh, benefit for them to have someone who accepts them, right? Doesn't accept everything they do, but accepts them as a person. So um, which brings me to my uh, final theory of why this happens, for the moment anyway, and that is um, a lot of people are trained in... An excellent thing, actually, and it's client-centered therapy. Client-centered therapy is where you really just try to show the client that you accept them as they are, and um, warm feeling towards them, acceptance, active listening. <laughs> Brian doesn't like it. He doesn't agree. Why
2: not, Brian? Because that doesn't that doesn't help the client uh, uh, help themselves when it comes to their issue. Uh, making them feel good while they're sitting here on the couch, uh, doesn't teach them how to deal with their next issue of depression or whatever their issue might be, uh, you know, giving them mental warm hugs doesn't uh, doesn't prepare them for dealing with outside your office. Uh, and that's, that's the trick. Uh, and uh, the client or ourselves or, you know, me as a client uh, to whoever, uh, I've got to be willing to uh, try to heal myself as the day goes on beyond the office of the therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's
0: a really good point. Um, I would, devil's advocate, say sometimes people just need a little extra strength. You know, They know what they need to do. They just don't know that they can do it. And if they have one friend who really is uh, on their side, even if we don't necessarily agree with them, sometimes it gives people strength to do what they already know they need to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But generally, I would agree, and I think most of us would agree, at least in principle nowadays, that you've got to be action-oriented. Um, you've got to move things forward, or it becomes just too comfortable for people. Change is always going to be a little bit difficult and probably a little painful. So um, I think there are some people who really do believe, and if you talk to them, they make a good case for it. You know, It can even seem uh, beautiful to me, uh, the client-centered stuff about warmly accepting another person and loving that person and maybe that love in and of itself helps them onward. But personally, from what I've seen, and I think um, the data backs it up, that it's generally more effective if you have an action orientation and you do try to hold people accountable for doing something out in the real world and changing their life that way. Okay. Well, please call if you have questions, if you want to make comments. Um, we would love to hear what you have to say. And the number, as usual, is 515-602-9655. But right now, I want to ask Brian about something. Brian, something major has changed in your life this past week. Can you tell us about that? Well, I got
2: confirmed as a Catholic. After six months, uh, well, actually, the conversion took longer than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was wrestling with it for over five years. uh, But uh, when I finally made the change, uh, or made the decision, uh, it was six months' worth of classes. So, yeah, it was a... uh, and it should be hard. I'm I'm glad it was hard. Uh, Why Why should it be hard? Well, I'm going to be a Buddha today. Uh, so yeah, getting my chakras all in line. So yeah, I, there should be uh, an initiation. You know, not like a fraternity or something like that. But uh, there should be. You should be knowledgeable of what what you're getting into.
0: Did you ever have a a conversion experience when you were an evangelical or a Protestant? As as I went through, I'll tell you why I asked because I uh, remember being a small boy and uh, my parents talking to me, and I prayed the sinner's prayer, and then I was considered a Christian.
1: Hmm.
0: And then, like maybe uh, nine years later, I got baptized. Just as kind of an outward show or whatever.
2: Yeah. When I was young, uh, I went up because my brother went up.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, uh, I really didn't know. But then I was going to a private school, uh, Baptist school up Mm -hmm. in uh, Kansas City, uh, Open Door Baptist, which I don't think exists anymore because I'm old.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, And uh, they had a. And I was in eighth grade, and ninth grade, so I was old enough to know what was going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and I think <laughs> they had a uh, retired professional wrestler. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, brother. You know, uh, and uh, uh, I I went forward and, and rededicated quote unquote mm-hmm. myself to uh, my Christian faith. Uh, but you know, I'll say this. Uh, As I went through uh, Protestant churches, and there's been many, uh, I never have felt or uh, completely uh, at peace as I do now. Uh, And uh, that is uh, good, and it is uh, sad also, Uh, sad that it took me, you know, 50 years of searching uh, and uh, finally, uh, and uh, but I'm so happy and so at peace when I leave Mass. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy.
0: Well, welcome home, Ryan. It's good to have you here. Thank you. I was thinking about the conversion thing, and uh, when I was in Campus Crusade, we used to go out in like uh, entertainment places where crowds of people were, and we would accost people and go through the four spiritual laws. I don't know if you ever saw that track. We go all through it and explain this, uh, theory of, uh, salvation and then ask them to pray the sinner's prayer at the end. And quite frequently they would, you know, but I wonder if, if it's so easy to get in, is it based on a momentary impulse, like emotion, you know, or, um, if it's easy to get in, is it therefore easy to get out? Like, what happened to those people? I had six people one summer um, pray the Sinner's Prayer with me, Woo-hoo! Mm. which I mean, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad in and of itself, but I wonder where are those people now? You know, do they really understand?
2: Are they struggling? Probably, you know, and they still. I, I don't, I'm not going to doubt their their Christian Christianity, mm-hmm. but uh, they still might be infants in their Christian walk. Um, And I'm not saying that I'm uh, a toddler, which I I think I might be a toddler, uh, you know, uh, but uh, as you mature in your Christian walk, Uh you know, sometimes the struggles become bigger, uh, which is Satan testing you, of course, Mm -hmm. because, you know, he's active as well. Uh, But, uh, you know, some people straight off the path. And uh, that's why I left the Protestant church, because to be honest with you, I, I think that they strayed off the path uh, with this quote, unquote, you know, woke uh, doctrine,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, and uh, man, it just, uh, it's, it's pretty sad. Uh, but, uh, and they're fighting amongst themselves, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you uh, yeah, I'm happy where I'm at.
1: Well, good.
0: I'm happy to have you here. So what, what was the first time you ever thought possibly, I mean, when did the Catholic Church first attract your attention as something that might be good?
2: long time ago. I, I'm, I'm saying it was, it was so long ago, like in my 40s, it was so long ago. Uh, but, uh, and I'm not one to take impulse uh, action. I mean, well. I used to be, but it, it, this 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 decision actually took some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I wanted something that was more. This is how we do it.
1: Uh-huh. You know,
2: there's no changing. That, right. You know. Uh, and you know, my gosh, there's there's some history in the Catholic Church of this is how we do things, and that's what I wanted. That's that's what I needed personally to grab a hold of. And to uh start marching forward with my Christian faith,
0: so it's not just like a passing fad or
2: absolutely not no no the struggle was real,
0: yeah, I'm sorry, what I meant was like uh maybe on the on the other side, depending on which country you live in, is how you feel about things or the way you do things or what is popular that year, you know, suddenly there's a uh, there's a space race on. So everybody in the in, um, in the Baptist church is really into the space race. And that's a, a dumb example. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that came to mind at the moment. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. You're, I'm here for you. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like uh maybe next year um I don't know about next year, but ouch, the next phase would be Savonarola, you know, suddenly we're uh, the guy who got all the Florentines to burn all their um, pictures and whatever. So if it it became the the popular thing to be very, very ascetic, like uh, anti-physical world, then everybody would go that way. But then next year, then everybody goes to the party side. Um, You see what I'm trying to get at? Yeah. Stumbling around.
2: Right uh you know there there there's there's critics out there it's especially usually though from the uh church of the uh, feel goods that uh you know uh, most of the reason that people are catholic is so they can party hard during the week and then have all their uh, sins forgiven on sunday you know and then back at it again uh, monday uh which is not the case that that is definitely uh the odd thing
1: I'm not
2: saying it doesn't happen cuz absolutely I'm sure it does but uh, uh you know it's easy to throw a stone when you're living in a sulfane house cuz <laughs> it's definitely not as strong as glass uh <laughs> so, you know well, ouch.
0: Uh, yeah, you hardly ever meet anyone who actually does that, right, in the church. I'm, I I well, probably I'm, have, but
2: I mean, sure. very, very... yeah, right. Well, and the critic was definitely over exaggerating the issue, you know, uh, but. Uh, but I wonder why
0: that doesn't cut just as much the other way.
1: <laughs>
0: because they think
2: the fact that. Uh, All
0: you got to do is say like a little quick little mental prayer, then wouldn't that be the easier way to go instead of the. Uh, right humility. Oh, I absolutely. You
2: know, good and there's a, there's a, we're all little God inside of us, you know. Oh, come on now. I, I, yeah. just, It's that, uh, I don't know what the, the new world uh, uh, mentality of uh, we're all little gods on earth, you know, and you do what you do to make yourself feel good at the time. Uh, it's been God, not Everybody does that or man, it wouldn't be safe to go to the car in your parking lot. <laughs> uh, but you know, to be honest with you, I've never been so happy uh, uh, and uh, the friends that I've made, uh, the the changes I made in myself, uh, uh, I've been blessed almost immediately from the time that I made uh, my decision. Uh, not saying that there hasn't been stumbling blocks because, you know, there's been many time where, man, I just really don't want to go to class today uh, or whatever. But then once I get there, you know, man, I'm just such a good time. So, it's, you know, just uh, the, the one hour or sometimes an hour and a half if uh, somebody starts talking, mostly me, that won't shut up. Uh, uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed from the time that I spent there. Um, you know, uh, the uh, Easter Vigil uh, Mass was, you know, two and a half hours. You know, whoo, that was a long mass. Uh, you know, then I was exhausted. But I think a lot of my exhaustion was the fact that you know it was a long trek. A pilgrimage, if you will, Mm -hmm. to uh, to get me to that goal. And once I got that weight lifted off me, I was just like, "Oh, thank God!" Yeah. You know, so I finally made it. You know, and and man, I needed a spiritual and physical nap. (laughs) You know, but man, I was so happy, and I I still am. I'm very happy.
0: So. Uh, five years ago or whenever it was, yeah. what was it that caught your eye? I mean, what was it that first seemed interesting or
2: attractive? Like I said, the the history, the the uh, this is what we've done. This is what we've always done. This mm-hmm. is how we, quote, unquote, roll. Did you watch uh, something on television? As, well, you... sure, absolutely. I'm not saying that that didn't have an effect on me.
0: But, you know, uh, where did you get your information? That's what I want to know.
2: Because I'm an educated man, Fred. (laughs) Yeah, I I educate myself beyond the television, you know, my 75-inch television, by the way. But uh, it's more of what I lacked in the Protestant church, you know, where uh, what what I saw there, the uh, infighting. Not saying that there isn't any kind of bickering that goes on in a Catholic church. Sure. But where are you gonna run another Catholic church? You know, right. I mean, uh most Protestant churches are split from another Baptist church or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh there's never I'm not saying never, but there's always that going on. And the 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 way that you they worship is it just you know it didn't touch my spirit, you know, uh, the the mood lighting, the the uh, the sin, you know, that was definitely there that, you know, for everybody to see. Uh, How
0: do you mean? Like individual people? Were
2: absolutely. Blagantly you know, sinful? Oh, or... no, man, the, you know, last church, the last Protestant church that I had stepped into, the, uh, And I'm not being judgmental. This is just the things that drove me Mm -hmm. to where I'm at. Sure. Uh, uh, Was uh, the pastor was uh, having a – he was married, and he was having an affair with someone in his – who was also married in his congregation. Wow. But then he was up there preaching, which here I am just scouring at him, just, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh Right. Totally wasted point of uh, going to church in the first place when you're sour on him but anything that he had to say to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, those are the things that drove me away from that, and it, it affects your Christian uh, your Christian belief for sure. Yeah, stumbling blocks. Yeah, Satan loves stumbling blocks. Absolutely. So. Well,
0: I thought uh, before that it's like really horribly scandalous for Catholic priests to be involved in the sexual abuse thing, for example. It is sad. Or other stuff that, you know, they're human and sometimes they they fall. Yeah. But there is a major difference in that the only thing you've got with a Protestant pastor, a preacher, is what he says, right? So if he is uh, he's not terribly articulate or if his actions belie his words, then everything's down the drain mm-hmm. but with a priest, a priest is a priest because of what he does, not because of what he says you know it's not even required that he give a
2: homily at every mass they usually do yeah, don't preach to me in metaphors you know <laughs> yeah you know the, the, like you know you're playing basketball I and mean, that that's what he did when I was in that I was I was so angry, and more, more righteously indignant than right. like that, you know. Where I wanted to go up there and just push him off the stage right. and uh, let him know what a little fire principle was, but uh, that would have been old school Baptist, so you know, maybe that's not what I should have done.
1: And
0: if you uh, if you pay attention and hear the the prayers during the Mass, yes. you will hear um, some things that are, like, referencing that, too. Just cool parts that you don't necessarily hear, like when I'm serving on the altar and I'm uh, washing the priest's hands and he's praying, you know, about his own sins at that moment, which is kind of cool. It mm-hmm. is cool. Um, structures aren't any guarantee of, like, a good outcome, right? Like, USA has really great structures, but I don't think we're doing so great because we don't have the right men who can, can fill the, the, the shoes of the founders. I agree with that. But at least you have a, a, a shot if you have the good structures, you know.
2: I think that's the church. Right. Well, you know, uh, there is a human element yes. to every structure because we are human. Mm. So there's going to be human frailties and, uh, you know, all you can do is uh, pray.
0: Yeah. And we really should be holding our Priests up in prayer. And we should be praying for all our Protestant friends and relations. Absolutely. Been so good to us and that we love. I know uh, you love your folks and I love my family too. Absolutely. If it wasn't
2: for them, I wouldn't be here. Right, yeah.
0: And I probably wouldn't have been open to the Catholic faith if I hadn't been schooled in the Baptist thing.
2: Baptist thing. You know, that thing. <laughs> the thing we used to do. <laughs> the thing that Baptists do. Hmm.
0: So, uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you about something else interesting that happened then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Saturday evening. Yes. While we were waiting for the Easter Vigil to kick off, and we hmm. were praying uh, uh, evening prayer, vespers together. Yes. And then an old friend of mine walked up. Say, you? Hey that. <laughs>
2: so, i think he might have had a hand in it well maybe so uh what happened uh, a crazy lady showed up uh with disheveled hair and uh but very knowledgeable in the uh catholic faith which is uh
0: yeah that's probably true yeah yeah
2: you know satan satan knows how to but anyway uh, but she was able to, uh, say some prayers from memory, which, you know, I'm not always able to do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, my, uh, spidey senses were definitely tingling. Uh, I used to work in corrections and my uh, so my, yeah, uh, but she wanted to talk to you, uh, after we did do, uh, our prayers, uh, alone, uh, which I definitely had an issue with, but I never in a thousand years would have thought that uh, she would accuse you of uh, witchcraft. Yeah, that was weird because, you know, you do look witchy.
0: <laughs> the uh, her psychosis, which is what she was suffering from. don't know her exact diagnosis because she's not a client. If she were a client, I wouldn't be talking about her in all this detail. But, um, she was definitely psychotic, and so she she was out of touch with reality, and one of the hallmarks of um, psychosis is it makes other people feel really uncomfortable.
2: Did she recognize you from, from getting therapy through a different person?
0: No, she had showed up at our parish about a year ago. Oh. And since I'm the identified professional, I was given the job corralling her.
2: Oh, the last time she yeah. was there? And so I think that's why uh, she... <laughs> break Fred uh, out of glass in okay. case of an emergency. Go talk to her. But there's not always oh, a whole lot you can even do.
0: And so um, you can do your best. And try to uh, be a good listening ear. So that's it.
2: why she attacked you. Yes. So she attacked me verbally. Verbally. I didn't mean to... Yeah, she didn't come off the top rope or anything like that. <laughs>
0: But I was definitely worried about it because she, uh, after telling me that she knew that I had been sent to infiltrate the parish for a coven of witches. Yeah. She then said, all the papers are with the bishop. No, I don't think there's any papers. But anyway, all the papers are with the bishop. Whatever. And she said, this is a warning. That was what the part that freaked me out. Sure. Because don't worry, Fred. I wouldn't <laughs> have let her hurt
2: you. <laughs> but the other thing. The other concern was that that our usher was like uh, nothing against the usher, but he was, you know, a thousand years old. You know, he wasn't going to be able to uh, help physically uh, if if there was a uh, altercation of some kind. But like I said, I got your back, brother. It wouldn't have happened. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> altercation. But I did. But I did leave you there. You know, but I was keeping an eye. <laughs> just don't kill him. <laughs> Go right up to the edge just don't kill him. Yeah. Yeah, you could smack him around a little bit. I'm sure he deserves it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what occurred to me was uh the main thing I was worried about at first mm. was it could be really embarrassing, you know. Just for just, you? Yeah. Why? She could run up right during
2: mass and start attacking me or screaming well, out. That's not embarrassing. I mean for you for her it might have been you know, as the quote-unquote attacker, but, uh, you know, you, you, you were, you're one of the best Christian men I know.
0: Well, thank Uh, you. Very kind of you
2: to say that. Well, you know, uh, and as my sponsor, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you leave such big footprints to, uh, to try to walk through. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't see how that was going to be embarrassing for you. It would have been a moment. It would have definitely made a two and a half hour mass, maybe a three hour mass. But, uh, would have woken everybody up. Right, absolutely. Yeah, there wouldn't have been anybody sleeping then. But, uh, I knew where she was sitting at.
0: <laughs> I did as well, let me tell you.
1: <laughs>
2: I, uh,
0: kept thinking about my, uh, highway patrolman friend who told me a man with a knife. 20 feet away, can come and stab me to death before I can get my service yes, revolver drawn. But
2: also, uh, there's uh, ways to deal with uh, somebody who draws a knife. So it's not just, oh, game over. I'm going to get stabbed. Uh, I'm, I'm coming home, Lord Jesus. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, <laughs> He's the, right, but,
0: <laughs> It all went through my head. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, in the event. Nothing happened. It did, thank God. Thank God. Um, For everybody involved, to be honest. But uh, obviously it's not her fault because she is really not seeing uh, reality clearly. And obviously not receiving help. Right. And it's really difficult because these days with the law as it is, unless someone is a direct threat to their own life or a direct threat to someone else's life, they won't do anything. Oh, in other words, they have to say the right words, right? If someone says... I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah, they have to say literally, I am going to kill somebody, or, or probably even as a person's name, mm. right? Because otherwise it's, well... Just a general, I'm going to kill
2: somebody is not good
0: enough. Yeah, no, I've had people that I've called police for, and mm. the police used their greater judgment over mine and just drove off. That's yes, because they
2: always make wise decisions,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't get it, but no. that's kind of the way it is, and it's really hard to get people that you I'm love. sure that's to protect them legally, too, to a certain degree. I think it's to protect them uh, hassle-wise, too, <laughs> because I don't know if ever... <laughs> Why Yo, you ever... No, coming no, hat, no, no, right? absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sweaty people who are kind of crazy
2: out of their minds. Well, so, yeah. so are you talking about the police, or are you talking about the sweatiness of the... Uh... <laughs> You know, I'm sure they're struggling with the donut, <laughs> and, uh, you know. But, yeah, I get it. But I think it's wrong. I I would always say it's better to uh, err on the side of uh, safety. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, really. absolutely.
0: But what do you do if you have someone in your family who has signs of psychosis?
2: Help them get help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it's really hard because uh, – so many times they don't feel that there's anything wrong with them, or whatever is wrong with them isn't that they have a mental illness, but that people pick on them, or there's a conspiracy against them.
2: Yeah, you, know, you know I've got a since you're you know a medication issue, you know where a lot of people try to pill uh, the uh, problem away. Yes, and uh, mm-hmm and I know somebody very close to me
1: mm-hmm.
2: that uh, is getting medication, uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't take away the issue that you have. It dopes you up to where you don't care about that issue anymore or anything else, you know, mm-hmm. or you sleep away your, your life, to be honest with you, cave up in the bedroom. I've done that when uh, I was first struggling with my depression mm-hmm. was, I mean, I totally would cave up in my bedroom and never leave. Right. You know, so. They're basically avoiding reality. Yeah. You, you, you they got to, you know, in the, in the, you know, if there's somebody who has a psychosis, of course, they're not going to be able to, you know, I mean, there's just, I don't know. I'm not the doctor here. But, I mean, uh, you can't practice uh, a method to try to get beyond it. Sometimes it does take medication. But for depression, I just, I, I'm i very much against it, mm-hmm. you know.
0: So, well, drugs are like tiny little
2: handcuffs, right? Yeah. They keep your brain from doing what it would do. If, it's more like Dover's travels. It, it kind of yeah. ties you down to the ground, and it, there's no maneuvering. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's metaphor. Thank you. I'm full of those.
0: But for people with psychosis, it's kind of a different thing, right? Because oh, yeah. Literally have, that. Out of control. Yeah, it comes from brain thing. And I'm telling everyone I know this as much as I can. The latest study shows conclusively that there is no such thing as endogenous depression. In other words, there's no such thing as depression that comes from a biochemical imbalance in your brain. Right. Sometimes uh, antidepressants actually do work, I don't deny it, Hmm. but it's not because the depression has sprung from a biochemical cause. All depression comes from difficult life circumstances and the way we deal with them. Absolutely. Stress. Absolutely. But anyway, psychosis is very difficult because you can't often use force with them. You know what they really need is force. I, I don't mean in a violent way. No, I And they what need you mean. to be made to take medicine so that they can but see
2: a lot of times a lot of people have this where they do take the medication. Yeah. They start feeling better. Yeah. And they don't feel like they need to take the medication You're anymore. Absolutely
0: right. So it's very difficult, and the only thing that I can suggest is try to get cooperative police. You know, work closely with the police so that they will trust you. But also, um, you can sue for uh, guardianship over adult children or adult brothers or whatever they are to you, so that then you can make medical decisions for them. And I wouldn't advocate that in any other case, because I really do believe in people making their own decisions to be a full human For those being. that are capable. For those who are capable, right? Yeah. But if they're just not capable, then... They have, to be, they have to get to the point where they are capable, and a lot of times the only way to do that is if someone else is making medical decisions for them. These days, it's so much easier because we have injections, right? It used to be a fight every single day, and did they hide it, you know, behind their uh, tongue? Tongue, yeah, and so forth and so on, but now it's one injection, right? Once a month, you get the injection. That's all you ever have to worry about. That's frightening. That's so good. I mean, the, yeah. they're not like sandbags anymore, either. The new drugs are much better.
1: Hmm.
0: Anyway, if you have any questions, please call us at 573-692-4126. So, Brian, what gives you reason for hope? All the difficulties
2: that are in the world today, what gives you reason for hope? God is in control. Uh I don't stress out about anything that's going on. To be honest with you, that's beautiful. Uh, because I don't need to watch the news. Because God is in control. So I know the I know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it might not be a pleasant road to get there, but I definitely know the uh, the ending. So I'm good with it.
0: There's a famous saying which I believe is from a Greek, but I don't remember who said it. Maybe Epictetus. Anyway, no good thing can happen to a good no bad thing can happen to a good man. Right? At uh, first that seems obviously
2: false. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but 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 in the end In the end, right? Yeah. the ending counts.
2: Yeah.
0: You know the end You might counts. not
2: enjoy getting to the end, but absolutely. And I'm okay. I am so much at peace uh, knowing the end of the story. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what gives me hope. Is uh, God is in control.
0: The other thing is that uh, since I have become a Catholic, suffering has become much more beautiful to me because I can see that it God can actually use it. You know, we can. Right. It's our opportunity to praise God and, and to join in the great spiritual battle. But, if you um, accept suffering and offer it up, then you are, like, making ammunition for the front-line troops. Um, but also, uh, one thing that always bothered me, especially as a young man, was, uh, like, failing. I had a job as a kid uh, taking asbestos off
1: school roofs. Mm, off school good
0: times. Roofs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember being really anxious in case my strength would fail. You know, I guess I don't know if I was afraid of humiliation or something. <laughs> but uh, people say, God will never give you anything you can't handle. And, again, you look at that and you say, uh, <laughs>
2: man, he must think I'm really strong. <laughs> I don't
0: know. But, uh, the rock has
2: nothing on me. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, there's a great book called With Christ in Russia. Wonderful story about a Catholic priest who went to Russia to minister to the Catholics there during the Soviet times when they were really persecuted. Mm. And he failed. I mean, he tells really flat out um how he was arrested, interrogated, and gave it up, you know, signed false confessions and the whole lot. Mm. And yet he wasn't uh, he wasn't ashamed because um, he was he knew he was weak, he couldn't hold out. He messed up and then he confessed it and tried again. Right? Hmm. So to me, that gives me a lot of comfort. That gives me a lot of hope that you don't have to be perfect. You know, Everything doesn't have to be perfect in the world, but also in your own actions because God loves you at your worst
2: moment as much as he loves you at your best moment. And your struggles might not be for your contemporaries. They might be for people that are in the future. I mean, I'm not talking about space guys, but I'm talking about, <laughs> You know, whoever might read your story, absolutely. You know, man, what a strong, strong guy this was. Well, yeah. no, actually, I wasn't. But at least it shows that you know you're human, and you you got up and you continued to continue to struggle. That's absolutely
0: right. And if they read my story, <laughs> they will say, if he can do it, anyone can do but it.
2: But it was so funny when I was reading about it. <laughs> I got a good laugh. <laughs> time he spent all of
0: uh, Easter Vigil Mass looking over his shoulder. (laughs) This scary woman with the disheveled hair. I don't know. Maybe I could win, but she might win. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Well, we're at the end of our show, so remember, folks, this show is a joint production of the renowned Four Persons blog and podcast and the St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries, a nonprofit Catholic company dedicated to reconciling all family members to each other all Christian denominations to each other, and all people to God. For information on services or to schedule a counseling or mediation appointment with St. Barnabas, you can call 573-692-4126. Before you can say it, Brian, I know St. Barnabas is probably all booked up. If you call now, you might get in. 573-692-4126. Check out four persons podcast tomorrow we have dustin quick who is also a convert to the catholic faith and a vlogger i think we have a real blockbuster on saturday detailed to follow next week we have the always anticipated Benko Subenko. and your two hosts are going to brian has never heard of that you got to tune in, brian. you gotta to listen to this we're going to be talking about pop music this time pop music it should be fun yeah oh my god for the worst <laughs> Also, Tuesday, every Tuesday, The Tangled Web with Deb Rojas. Check it out. And every Thursday, I promise, if God gives me strength, I will be here for uncounseling. So happy Easter to everyone. Remember, it's an eight-day feast. We're still in Easter. Have a wonderful time. He is risen. Thank you, Brian.
2: No, thank you, Fred, for the opportunity.
0: See you all later.